Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you, Big Book Study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader. Today is Friday. It's May 17th. I think it's still 2019. Today we're reading from the Big Book, and we are going to. We are currently on page 26, the fourth paragraph, uh, the one paragraph only. It, it uh, reads, "But this man still lives." So today's readers, we have Tenzin P on the 12 steps. Marge E. on the 12 Traditions, and the readers of the text are Andrea B., Lauren N., and Carmela G. The share ID for Thursday, yesterday, May 16th, uh, for the 7 a.m. meeting, that number is 12,911. That's 12911. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, 12,913, 12913. We also have Reva P is the newcomer greeter, and the host for the second hour is Lisa C.H. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, and that is to carry the message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So now we're going to have Tenzin P. read the 12 steps. Good morning, Tenzin. Thank you. Good morning and good morning to everyone. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. And 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, 
praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. <clears throat> and 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Wishing everyone a blessed day. Thank you, Tenzin. Okay, traditions. Um, next, we'll have Marge E. Um, read the traditions. Marge, good morning. Good morning, Larry. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself and our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups of OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, OA, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thanks so much, Marge. Okay, here's how this uh, this meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then we stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your share uh, your sharing to the topic and literature that we are discussing, and that you keep your sharing to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. And of course, we're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. If you'd like to share, press star one to unmute your phone and once once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we're going to resume our study of the big book. We are currently on page 26, the fourth paragraph that starts up, but this man still lives. And we're going to just comment on the one paragraph. And Andrea B. is going to get us started here. Andrea, good morning. Good morning, Larry, and thank you for your service. But this man still lives and is a free man. He does not need a bodyguard, nor is he confined. 
He can go anywhere on this earth where other free men may go without disaster, provided he remains willing to maintain a certain simple attitude. So this is a really terrific paragraph. Um, and I'd never thought of it before, but I'm going to mark it for when I'm feeling as if I am not able to um, maintain my uh, um, serenity, my abstinence, my clarity of purpose. Because what this paragraph tells me, it reminds me that I am no longer in chains. I am no longer limited to, you know, um, this uh, restaurant or that aisle in a grocery store. I can go wherever I need to go as long as I do one really critical thing, as long as I remain willing to maintain a certain simple attitude. So that starts with I have to be willing. And what that means for me is when I'm having a hard day and that little voice in my mind says, wouldn't it be great to have X, Y, or Z? I have to be willing to use my tools. I have to be willing to be of service. I have to be willing. And the reason why I need to be willing to do those things is because I need to turn over what it is I want to do. I need to stop thinking that I'm the one who can resolve this. I'm the one who can figure it out and get myself out of this circumstance. I know what's best for me because the truth is I really don't. But I'm hardwired to believe that I really do know. Um, and so that's it's second nature. It doesn't matter how long I've been in program. It doesn't matter how long I've um, had uh, abstinence. It does not matter. And none of that matters. Every day is a brand new day. And, you know, I'm sure many of us know the old adage that while I'm sitting in the rooms, you know, developing abstinence, my disease is in the parking lot developing muscles. So that by the time I get to that one day where I'm tired, I've had a challenging day at work, you know, I'm not feeling so great, my willingness is lagging. It's that one day when my disease says, Ah, but wouldn't it be great? And that's the day when I say, you know what? It would be great. And I go off the, the I go off on another bender. Or maybe it's not even a whole bender. Maybe it's just an hour. All I know is by taking that action, I'm no longer willing to turn it over to a power greater than myself in, or to maintain that certain simple attitude. Instead, what I'm doing is I'm saying, I know what's best for me. I can figure this out. And my truth is, I really can't. So that's my time. Thanks so much, Andrea. We appreciate that share. Getting us started. Okay, we're on page 26, and Andrea read the fourth paragraph on 26, just commenting on the one paragraph. The first time I shared, the, the, I was shaking so much, the phone was going <clears> to, <throat> I thought it was going to fall out of my out of my hand. Um, so, but it made a big difference. So we always like to hear new voices if you're inclined to do that. And of course, if you haven't shared in the last day or so, even if the phone is shaken, um, who would like to share in what was read? Nessa R. Alicia Nessa? S. Alicia. Judy. Nancy P. Nancy P. Judy. Reba P. Judy. 
Riva. Maybe one more. Harlan G. Devorah and Harlan. Okay, that's a good lineup. All right. Okay, so we got Nessa, Alicia, Nancy, Judy, Reva, Devorah, and uh, that guy Harlan. Hey, Nessa, good morning. Hi, good morning. Um, good morning, vision for you. This is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. And I, I want to focus on the word free. Because I used to think that freedom meant doing whatever I wanted to do, and more importantly, eating whatever I wanted to eat, whenever I wanted to eat it, as much as I wanted. Um, and that is not freedom at all. That's actually enslavement, you know, enslavement to the food. You know, the definition of free in the dictionary is not under the control or in the power of another, not or no longer confined or imprisoned. And, you know, I definitely was, as I suspect a lot of people on this line um, were, under the control or in the power of food. And I was confined and imprisoned to the food. Even when I wasn't eating, my focus was on the food. Even when I was on a diet, my focus was on the food. You know, I was either, you know, running to the food or running away from the food. And all my decisions, all my activities, um, everything I did uh, revolved around what I was going to eat or maybe what I was not going to eat if I was on a diet. It was just food totally dominated my existence. Um, you know, and so now that I have a very structured plan, you know, I often encounter the, um, I don't know, the complaint or the uh, argument that don't you feel deprived, like you're totally, you know, under the control of the food now because you got to weigh and measure and you cannot eat that and you cannot go to this place and you cannot, you know, have that. And it's totally the opposite because now that my food is in its place, that it's, it's uh, you know, just something that I eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner to fuel my body so that I can go about being of service to God and to others. I'm no longer constantly thinking about it. I'm not looking at my, at my watch and seeing, okay, when it's lunch, you know, oh, it's only 10.30. When it's lunch, oh, it's only 10.35. You know, I'm no longer uh, focused. That I'm not, no longer fighting the food. I'm not, um, uh, um, I'm not under, its, under its grip. And, you know, there's, there's only one way I, I, I could have done that. And, and the only way that worked for me it was actually put the food down, and that's the paradox. They gotta put the food down to get out of its clutches um, entirely. And then, you know, I work the steps in order to arrive at a solution that is much a much better solution than the food ever was. And that is my freedom. That is my real freedom now. And that's why, um, um, the, you know, recovery and program is referred to as a as a, a highway to a new a road to a new freedom. I think it's the uh, the quote, um, and, and freedom it is. Um, and with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Nessa. Okay, we have Alicia followed by Nancy. Alicia, it's your turn. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for your Good service. Morning. This is Alicia S. from Minnesota, recovered compulsive overeater, and I love this paragraph. Um, Today, I am living a full life because of the program and the relationship that I've 
found um, with my higher power. I have no limitations. I can go anywhere um, as long as I keep spiritually fit. Um, I am. I have no limitations. Um, before this program, I was dying of isolation. I couldn't go to social events because I'd be worried about the food. I would be so full of self-loathing um, that I never felt good enough for others, even if I had nice clothes or a nice vehicle or whatever. Um, the truth is that material things cannot fill a spiritual hole. And until that spiritual hole is filled, um, one will always be searching. And um, I just think that is the beauty of the program because I was I was searching. I felt, you know, chained to my home. I couldn't go anywhere. And today I'm a free woman because of my higher power in this program and um, just the amazing relationships that I've been creating with fellows. Um, isolation is a thing of, a, of the past, and, and that's a beautiful thing. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Alicia. Okay, we have Nancy P. followed by Judy. Hey, Nancy, good morning. Hi, Larry. Hi, everybody. It's Nancy P. from Boston. Um, let me just start my timer. So, yeah, I um, I'm a free woman as well. And, um, you know, I go wherever I want. Um, and I spend a lot of time and effort on maintaining. And um, I looked up maintenance, and it says um, to provide with the necessities for life or existence. And that's what I do. I have this program that I work, these steps that I work every day. And, um, you know, I do, I do three things. I eat, I sleep, and I take, care of my, or I take care of my family. I sleep and I work, really. And taking care of my family includes all the cooking and the, you know, family type stuff. And um, 80% of what's left in 24 hours I spend on my program. I spend it working with others. I spend it praying and meditating. I spend it, you know, reading and, you know, contemplating and, you know, thinking, reaching, always reaching for ways to, to bolster my um, recovery. And because of that, I can go someplace, any place without disaster. And I looked up disaster and um, something that causes great damage or loss of life. And you know, it's funny to say that they can go someplace without disaster. Like, you know, if I walk into a bakery, is that a disaster? I mean, today I can walk in anywhere I want. I can get my coffee at Dunkin' Donuts. I can do whatever I want. I can go anywhere because food does not exist for me. The problem does not exist for me. It's been removed. And, um, you know, provided there's the promise, right, provided that I um, remain willing. And I would say for me, I'm not willing. I'm desperate. I am so grateful that I have not ever lost that desperation. I heard it once on a, on a Sunday special in the beginning that willingness is overrated. Desperation is what you need. And truer words were never spoken um, for me anyways. I, um, I just have been, since I came into vision, you know, finally I got what I needed and I have not hurt myself with food in all that time. And, um, um, you know, it's pretty simple you know, that like this simple attitude is I'm either working it or I'm not working it. And, um, and I do a lot of work. And because of that, 
the 20% of time that I have left to do whatever I want actually seems like all the time. I feel like I spend barely any time because it's painless. It's become a working part of my mind. And um, yeah, I can go anywhere. I can do anything. And I have done everything, anything. You know, I went to Rome last year and didn't break my abstinence. I mean, unbelievable. So um, in Italy. So um, and, you know, we're going to take another trip this summer, probably someplace. So I have, I have, oops, I have no, um, no worries. And there's my timer. So thanks for letting me share. I pass. Thanks, Nancy. Okay, we have Judy followed by Reva. Good morning, Judy. Hey, Judy, press star one if you would. Thank you so much. Um, hi, Judy P. from Central New Jersey. And Larry, thanks for those words of encouragement. I'm one of those people who never share. Um, <laughs> so I did actually a few years ago, like twice. <laughs> so anyway, freedom. You know, what I found um, for me for freedom is I do what I got to do to protect my abstinence. And I don't care what anybody says or thinks. Um, I have a graduation party this Saturday at my sister-in-law, and they are used to me. I bring all my own food, weighed and measured. I don't care if they have abstinent food for me. I don't like taking food from a bowl. Um, and it gives me a lot of peace. Um, I've gone to events where I just don't eat there because it's not at my meal time, And I have no problem sitting there at all. Uh, but it took me a while to get to that um, without having that fear of what other people are going to think. But I try to remember, well, I try to live by, I try to put my app, I try not to put my abstinence in anybody else's hands as much as I can. I mean, uh, tons of food in my house with my husband. We do go out to eat. I don't care what he eats. Um, it's just not my food. But I have to, you know, maintain that attitude of step one. And that's the simple attitude I have to have. I am powerless over food. And somehow, some way, which still boggles my mind, God's removed the obsession. I can't even imagine how he's done that. I, I don't even, I mean, I was so obsessed with food and dieting my whole life. And this is my third recovery, so I've had it before. But, um, but by the grace of God, for the past six and a half years now, um, I've been living this miracle. And it just, boggles my mind and the gifts of the program are endless for me endless in the middle of um selling our home and buying a new home that's a dream come true for me something i never would have gotten if i was not in recovery it would have been impossible um so i guess for today i got my food all planned weighed and measured in containers in the refrigerator one of the things i did in these past few years is a treat as I tried to get rid of almost all my plastic and I put everything in glass bowls um, because it's important to me. I do huge batch cooking, um, so I do a lot of freezing, and, you know, I love it. I love everything I do for my food is a spiritual practice for me. When I spend hours prepping my food so I have it for like two weeks, it's a spiritual practice for me. It's a gift from God. I don't do it begrudgingly. I do it gratefully. So um, thank you so much for the opportunity to share. With that, I'm going to pass. Oh, my gosh, Judy. Thank you for sharing. You paved the way for other folks to share. 
Okay, and here's someone that's not so new, right, Reva? <laughs> Good morning, Reva. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. This concept of needing a bodyguard um, speaks to me that there's an enemy and I need some protection. I need to be safe and protected. And, you know, when I, before I came in and at first when I came in, I thought the enemy was the food. I thought the food was the problem. I didn't understand that the food was my solution. And I was fighting with the food and I was making schemes and exerting control and then hyper control and more control control to fight that enemy. And it just made everything worse. Um, So this paragraph reminds me um, that when I do these simple things, and they're simple but not easy, and they're certain simple things, they're specific instructions that I need to follow, um, I don't fight the food. I can be anywhere with anyone, and it's like it says on page 85, I have that position of neutrality. Um, But more importantly, the greater aspect of my disease is in my mind and has to do with my thinking, and my thinking will take me right back to the food um, and to the thing that will kill me. Um, And how do you protect yourself against your own mind? Um, I can't. That's what this book teaches me. I don't have that kind of power. Um, So my safety and my protection is a power greater than me, As long as it's not me, it's okay. And the only way I get access to that um, is by doing these supposedly simple but not easy things, and then my channel is clear. And I'll tell you, um, dealing with the thinking, the thinking that tells me I'm doomed, it's never going to work out, I'm not okay, I'm not safe, I'm not protected, that's the thing that really takes me down more than anything else. And when I get access to that power and I get a semblance of inner safety and inner protection has nothing to do with all this external control and, you know, trying to keep everything together on the outside, that's the ultimate because that reminds me, um, you know, just like Roland Hazard, he had everything on the outside, but he didn't have that inner Uh, power, protection, safety, and serenity, um, then it really is like what it says. I can meet calamity with serenity, and I can be okay no matter what. And that's that's true freedom. Um, And with that, I pass. Thanks, Reva. Okay, now batting, Devorah, followed by Mickey Mantle. Devorah, good morning. How are you? Okay, thank you so much, Leslie. Thank you, everyone on the line that makes this possible. My name is Devorah S., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. And, wow, and, you know, honestly, I always wanted a bodyguard. I always felt I needed a bodyguard, someone who's going to, like, keep me protected from my food and, and situations and, and, and life. Um, and, you know, weighing uh, close to 300 pounds, I really felt that that's what I needed. He can find somewhere, put away, locked up, and that's going to be the answer. That is going to be the answer for me. And, you know, thank God I'm not confined anymore. I'm not. I'm, I'm, 
I'm free to go anywhere uh, because I'm willing to maintain a certain simple attitude. And what is that attitude? The attitude is, is, is um, that I've given my life and my will over to God and um, I'm powerless and I can't handle my food. I can't, you know, I'm just, I need a greater power. I need someone who's, who's bigger and, and more powerful than I who can, who can take care of me. And that, who is that? And that's, that's my higher power. That's my God. And, and um, I never knew, although I grew up with God and, and God was very much part of my life, but I didn't, I didn't equate it with what was, what was making me so miserable. Um, and I didn't, and I didn't know that I couldn't ask God to take, do this for me. Um, so, you know, this is, this is the new, this is the freedom that I experienced today. Yeah, I lost the weight and, and I weigh and measure and all that. And I have boundaries around my food. But the big thing is, is that I'm not a prisoner anymore um, with what's going on around me. I'm not feeling that I have to take care and I have to do and I have to manage and I have to do it. You know, it's, it's, it's all about each day, you know, just giving my life and my will over to the care of God. And how powerful that is and how freeing that is, is that, um, you know, I could just be. I could just be and turn and ask God what he wants for me today. And, and, and try to and, and try to do that, you know, and, and try to be the person that God wanted me to be. Um, and, you know, how, how freeing is that, you know, and to be able to give of myself to other people. Um, you know, I'm having opportunities where I'm able to, to you know, in-program be of service, but out of our program as well. Um, and um, and I, I'm really grateful um, because when I was in bondage with the food, I was never able to do that. Um, and, um, and it's quite exhilarating and quite freeing to be able to be part of life again. And, um, really, really grateful to be part of this. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Deborah. Next up, Harlan G. Hey, Harlan. Hey, Larry. Thanks for your service. Good morning. I'm Harlan G. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Biologically, I am predetermined to eat myself to death. And I almost did it. I almost made it. I was pounding on the gates of insanity or death. I was savaged, ravaged by this disease from the time I was a toddler. I never had a minute of peace from this illness. Yesterday... I had a wonderful experience. I got up. I passed. I live right by Resort Row in Scottsdale, Arizona. We are a tourist town. Tourism is the number one industry here. There is every kind of restaurant within five minutes of my house from places that cost five, $600 for dinner a person to places that cost very, very little. I passed hundreds of them on my way to the DMV, hundreds of them on my way back. I went to the swimming pool. I did my workout. I went to the grocery store, and I came home. Why is that so important? Why is that, why is that so special? What's, what's so special about all that stuff? What's special about all that stuff is, is that until this morning, and I read this paragraph, it never occurred to me. It never occurred to me that with the money that I have on my credit card and the money that I have on my business debit card, 
and the money that I had on me in cash, I could have probably bought $30,000 worth of candy. What a miracle that it never occurred to me. Because at one point in my life, that's all that would have occurred to me. Because all I could think about was money and food and procuring the money through the writing of bad checks and getting the food and isolating from anyone else to eat the food and then lying about it. That was my day. That was my life. And today, and what is the simple attitude that I must maintain today? The simple attitude that I must maintain today is I am a compulsive overeater. No human power could have relieved my compulsion and that God could and would if he were sought. How do I seek him? I work the steps. I work the steps. That's the attitude. I can't. God can. I better work those steps. And that gives me the freedom that I, that I desire. And with that, I will pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Harlan. Okay, so we're reading from page 26, the fourth paragraph. We want to hear from two groups of people. One, if you haven't been shared yesterday or so, and then if you're super nervous like I am, We'd love to hear from you, too. Who would like to share? Carmela G. Leah from Boston. Leah from Portland. Portland. Leah from Portland. Katie G. Nadia B. Elise N. Elise N. Thank you. Thank you, Elise. And Beth, we'll stop there. We'll stop there. And we'll see if we can get everyone in here. I got Carmela, Russ, Leah, Katie, Nadia, Elise, Ann, and Beth. Hey, Carmela, good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Larry. Thank you again for your diligent service. And um, I love this paragraph because I love this book. Um, This man still lives, and he is free provided he remains willing to maintain a certain simple attitude. I I didn't want anything simple in my life. I had to be drama. I had to be queen of drama and control. And I didn't know how to live. And this book... Working these steps made me realize only when I became truly honest with myself that food was my life. Everything I did was about food. Today, through the miracle of this program and the love that I receive from my higher power that I call God, I acknowledge that food has one purpose, to nourish my body. So if it's not nourishing and needed for my body to function and provide service either to family, friends, or to program, 
I don't need to put that in my mouth. I need food for energy. So therefore I weigh, measure, and I select quality food. And then relationships become so much better because working these steps help me have balance in my life. I never had balance. It was always tipped. The scale was always tipped. I always had to have full steam ahead if I was doing something. And now, exercise is necessary. Relationships are necessary. And I have learned the design for living only through working these steps every day. And I am so grateful because two days ago, I celebrated 11 years of being cancer-free. Now, if, if I didn't realize that it was God who allowed me to have the diagnosis found and then get into this program... I would not be sitting here today sharing with all of you magnificent people on this line the love and the gifts that I have received as a free woman. Thank you so much for allowing me to share and enjoy the day. Larry, star one to unmute. Oh, thanks, Leah. Okay, so next up we have um, Russ followed by Leah. Hey, Russ, good morning. Morning, Larry. Good morning, family. Russ, I'm recovered from post outside, outside of Philly. Wow. Um, you know, not to sound like everybody else, but it's, it's, I'm so grateful. Oh, goodness. I think of, you know, how much this disease took from, stole from me, uh, how incapacitated I was to just be able to do the normal things of life. You know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in food, stupid business mistakes, because I had to get that hit. Because I had to get that hit, and I couldn't manage life. Oh, so I had uh, plenty of bodyguards. I <laughs> You know, I like that lock and key thing. In some ways, I feel like, you know, I was let out of the house, went to the office, did damage and came home. You know, it's like it, it, it was a mess. It was a mess. My life was a mess, and I was in chains. And it wasn't just recently. It wasn't just, you know, three, four years ago. It was my whole life. From the time I was eight years old, seven, eight years old, you know, I always had that edginess and that uh, that the obsession, I guess, the obsession with food and just – not getting what I want out of life. And I can, I would, my hit would be the food, right? And, you know, I, I just, I just think back after getting through the steps and how far I've come. And now I can actually do like regular things that people do without freaking out and not losing my mind and not being in food. And I'm, I'm basically growing the heck up, you know, God, God is a, uh, God has picked me up 
dusted me off. And he's restoring me through this program, this spiritual way of life. And yeah, I'm free, man. I am free. And I'm not saying it to be cocky. I'm not saying that, you know, I won't die with a cheesesteak in my mouth. I don't know that. I know right this section, right this second, I'm free because of this program and God. More anything, God. But this program got me to God. This program unblocked me. You know, these 12 steps changed everything. Changed everything. It was a game changer for me. And um, I have some freedom, man. It's a, it's a, it's just a – I'm so grateful. I, I, you know, I'm a good talker, right? Yeah, I could talk. But I, I don't even have words to express it. You guys have a beautiful weekend. Lo- love you. Thank you. Thanks, Russ. All right, we have Leah followed by Katie. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Larry. This is Leah S.H. Uh, from Portland. It's my second time sharing on this meeting, thanks to Insomnia, because it is 440 here. Um, I'm a grateful member of this uh, fellowship and of this meeting. Um, I've been abstinent for 16 months. And when I first became abstinent, I thought, you know, now my life can begin. And it's still beginning, you know. I I feel like there's so much more to to gain from from this abstinence living that I'm just getting started. Um, when I was hearing the word bodyguard, I was like, how do I relate to that word? And I think um, food was my was my bodyguard. It protected me from life. It protected me from people. It protected me from feeling. It 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 kept me closed off. And um, now my bodyguard is God. Um, God is my protector. God is what's in between me and, and my fellows. Um, he, you know, when I when I when I'm at work and I'm frustrated by other people, I just have to turn to God and you know say, God, please help me. Please help me with my thinking. Um, it doesn't even occur to me to turn to food. Um, the I've heard people talk about the weighing and measuring, which is something that I do, and that is just the beginning it is um it's a recipe it's a recipe for living and i don't know what else is coming my way i don't know what else is going to be um what i'm going to experience in recovery um all i know is that i'm grateful for where i I am now and um it's just it's just tremendous i don't know even have the the words for it that's what i'm hearing people say um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't have the words for it. it. It's remarkable. It's unremarkable all at the same time. Life is exciting and life is mundane all together. It's not this roller coaster that it used to be. And I'm not constantly thinking about myself, how I feel, how I felt about what you said, how I felt about what you did. Um, when when am I going to get my next fix? Uh, it's not even a part of my life anymore. And it's it's dramatically serene. I don't. That's the only way I can describe it. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Leah. Okay, we have Katie followed by Nadia. Katie, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Katie G. Good morning, my fellows recovered in Boston. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I guess I was thinking, you know, why a bodyguard doesn't work for me. Because the main problem of my life is my 
my obsession of the mind, the greater aspect of my malady cannot be treated with a bodyguard because I don't know how to get a bodyguard inside my head. You know, it just, it wouldn't work. And the freedom that I have today, that certain simple attitude is, um, you know, yeah, it's good. I can go anywhere, right? But but it's really for me, um, you know, am I willing to um, decide that my attitude, my angle of approach to life today is not the KDG show, right? Like when I when I first came into the rooms, um, I slowly started to realize that ever since I was a little girl, I wanted things when I wanted them at that time, immediately hurry up, and that life was meant to be my whipping boy, right? Like life was meant to meet my demands, and that obsession, that drive, that fight made me feel so sick in my head that eating was a step up. Eating was my only solution because when you fight the world, you need a solution. So am I willing to maintain, and willing just means ready, Am I in enough pain? Have I seen that I am not God? Have I seen that my, my disease it, it, over any period of, of time is getting worse inside my head? It's getting worse, right? And so um, where much is rewarded, much is expected, and you all, my spiritual teachers who walk before me, show me how I need to continue learning, right? I mean, that's my attitude today. Like, God, show me, show me. I mean, the, the big book babysits me from the time I retire at night and do written inventory prayer and meditation. I get up in the morning, inventory prayer and meditation throughout the day, inventory prayer and meditation, right? Surrender of the food, recognition that my main problem is powerlessness. I have no power no choice and no control and I never will my life will never become un, uh, become manageable and yet today in all intents and purposes to the outside world it looks like I'm living a pretty manageable life and if only knew, anyone knew that my job today is to continue to press in and to continue to say God teach me show me show me where I'm wrong help me learn help all of you be my teachers help this book be my teachers you know like I I, I, I don't have the answer right like I came into the rooms and I had to know and today God willing, another 24 hours, I don't know. That's the most important thing is not what I know that I don't know, that there's a plan, it's bigger than me, and um, I'm just grateful that um, I can live in a, the solution today for my disease, and with that, I pass. Thanks, Katie. Now seating the party of Nadia, party of one, Nadia. <laughs> Good morning, Mary. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Nadia B, you're in Connecticut, uh, sunny Connecticut, and I am a free woman today. What does it mean to be free? Um, you know, I love that freedom is not free, um, and that's what this book is teaching me. You know, I actually um, thought I was free when I was guarding my food like a guard dog, right? Um, you know, if so I was not in a close proximity to food, I have, I'd have an anxiety attack. If you came between me and uh, my, you know, settled way of thinking about this um, substance uh, or something or someone else, you know, I'd be uh, growling like, like that guard dog. Uh, you know, um, you call it freedom. I don't know about that. Today I learned that this is 
this wasn't freedom. And I, for years and years and years, that was my attitude. Um, and what I've learned as a result of studying what this disease is about is that freedom and alcoholic thinking um, are incompatible. They cannot exist in one. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, sometimes I think, even in recovery, that I needed to be confined, chained to this food, because everywhere I went, you know, I left destruction behind. And, um, you know, uh, doing some work, looking at, you know, at what I thought was a sane attitude around life and food, um, you know, changed that my way of thinking uh, about food and about a lot of things in my life. You know, so, um, you know, when I voluntarily, nobody could convince me to give up guarding this food. And I voluntarily give up my confinement, my chains <laughs> to food. Um, you know, I could get a glimpse of that freedom. And boy, is it worth it. If only for a minute can I see that freedom. You know, it would be all worth it. Um, I can go back anytime I want today. I am free to go back to my food anytime I want today. The miracle is that, you know, this power is so much better than anything I've ever experienced. And thank God for this new attitude. And thank God for the simple program of action that got me here. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Nadia. Okay, we have Elise followed by Beth. Good morning, Elise. Oh, Elise, oh, Elise, you need to pray. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Okay, thank you. A full woman, huh? Well, I'm eight, about, I don't know, eight plus months into recovery again. I've been in this program 30 years. Um, I really started working a vision for you, you listening to the meetings, and I got a vision for your sponsor um, about eight, eight and a half months ago. Um, so let's talk freedom. Um, I weigh and measure my food. I've lost 81 pounds, and um, in that time, because I've been recovered, I found I decided that uh, I had a fear of financial insecurity, mostly because I'm a widow of six years, and um, after an 18-year-old marriage and widow for six years, I decided that I'm, I went into debtors anonymous, even though I really don't have a problem, such a big problem with betting, um, but I looked at my numbers, I was vague about my numbers, and I ended up getting a second job so I can make my bills. But what really getting at is that because of my rec I'm recovered in this program, is able to increase my earning capacity. Um, I've been I'm honest at my job, meaning I'm given honest days of work at my job. I'm not thinking about getting another fix. I've been given a promotion. I supervise three other people. 
um, to be, you know, psychotherapists and to be learning. And um, I even started dating. After 25 years, I went on my first date. And uh, when the guy decided, you know, I should be for dessert from the dinner, he was history. Um, I just, uh, it's a new era here in dating. But um, I'm a, you know, one-man one kind of woman, so I'm not a jump-around kind of girl. And, um, you know, but I've been able to um, become who I am and establish, you know, my own um, values. I found my own faith through this program. I've become, you know, became religious. I've been religious for years. And it's, um, it's, a, really, it's a really great time. It's not, it's not easy all the time. And it's, but I can sit, I went to an engagement party last night with all kinds of stuff all over that table. And I would have been eating from the time I got there till the time I left. I can tell you that. Uh, the stuff that wasn't, di- the stuff that was, wasn't diet, that was, quote, diet, was, and then all the other stuff too. And I didn't touch anything except some seltzer. And I felt free. And I talked to people. And I listened to people, which is a new phenomenon for me, to listen to people. Um, and I'm, I'm totally grateful. Totally, totally grateful that that God has done for me what I couldn't do for myself, sponsoring other people, taking them through the big book. Um, actually, I do have a spot open. I have a spot open to take someone through the big book at 8.15 in the morning. And um, that's, that's all I've got. Have a wonderful day, everybody. A great weekend. Thanks, Elise. Thank you for your share. Okay, Beth, you're going to wrap us up. Good morning. Hi, thank you, Larry. This is Beth W. from North Dakota. Uh, gratefully recovered today. Um, I I always thought that if I just had enough resources, you know, a personal chef and a bodyguard and a personal trainer, that I could do this. I wouldn't have any problems. Everything would be perfect. My life would be perfect. My body would be perfect. My food would be perfect. I would be super healthy. There would be no problems at all for me. And what I didn't, what I didn't realize is that people have those things. There are people in this world who have all of those things and they still have problems. And when I came into this program, which I have nine months of abstinence yesterday, and I've worked my steps with a sponsor, and, and I'm gratefully recovered, and um, I read this paragraph, and I realized that people had bodyguards, and if they had these things, they would still have problems, and, but I don't need that. What I need is um, a higher power, and what I have is a higher power, the God of my understanding who allows me to go wherever I need to go each and every day. Um, I can tap into that power. Nobody has to follow me around. Um, because God leads me, and I can um, I can connect with that power anytime, day or night, um, and and uh, I I can be free. And freedom is the best feeling I've had um, in my whole life. And I didn't ever feel that before. I felt chained and shackled and sad and and frustrated and um, confused and fighting. And, I, and it, all it took was a surrender and, um, and to work these steps with, with a trusted um, person. 
So I'm grateful, and I um, I'm really, really grateful today, and I'll pass. Thanks, Larry. Thank you, Beth. Okay, and thank you to everyone who's joined us uh, today and who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Let me give you the share ID uh, for today, which is May 17th for the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. That number is 12916. That's 12,916. So now we will uh, close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Hey, Lauren, and good morning to you. Good morning, Larry. It's Lauren N. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.